This week on the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. The red earth is singing. It's calling us to understand a new way of living together, to work together as relatives. I'm Neil Harvey. It's the Indigeneity Essentials with Native American leader Melissa Nelson on the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. We're all indigenous to planet Earth, but we haven't been acting that way. After all, what kind of species, especially one considering itself so highly intelligent, would trash its own home? Indigenous peoples are the world's old-growth cultures. Despite genocide and colonization, many have survived and lived on the same lands for centuries or millennia. As a result, they've developed an intimate knowledge of their places using what's called TEK, traditional ecological knowledge. They've acted as guardians of biological diversity, managing complex reciprocal relationships between diverse ecologies and human cultures. Their eyes are on the time horizon of seven generations, the long haul. At this unprecedented moment of globalized environmental collapse, it's going to take the best of Western science and high tech, as well as the indigenous science of TEK, to get through this keyhole in human evolution. Native leaders are both reminding and challenging all people today that we all need to re-indigenize ourselves. But how? This is Conspiracy of Ancestors, the Indigeneity Essentials, with cultural ecologist and indigenous scholar and activist, Dr. Melissa K. Nelson. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. I stand before you as a mixed-race person. I am Ojibwe, also known as Anishinaabe and Chippewa. I am Cree. I am Métis, a mixed-race person. And so I stand with you with those ancestors in my being. I am also Norwegian, and I am also French. So I stand in front of you with those ancestors in my being. So I am Native American and Euro-American. And a lot of my work has been really dedicated to reconciling the differences between these worldviews and these ways of living. So within my being, I have the colonizer and the colonized. Indigenous scholar, activist, writer, and media maker Melissa K. Nelson is a professor of American Indian Studies at San Francisco State University. Since 1993, she's led the Cultural Conservancy, a Native American nonprofit dedicated to the preservation and revitalization of indigenous cultures and their ancestral lands. Melissa Nelson spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. I want to tell you a little bit about someone who's really important to Ojibwe people. His name is Nana Buju. He's our trickster character. He is a edge walker. He is both sacred and profane. He is foolish and wise. He's our comic relief and a really, really interesting character. One of his names is He Who Walks the Shoreline. He Who Walks the Shoreline Forever. 
So for us, he is a reminder that as Anishinaabe people and perhaps other people, we are always balancing between solid earth and a liquid medium. We're always between stability and insecurity. We are both rooted and flowing. And so we are also on the edge of consciousness and unconscious, waking and dreaming. So he reminds us that we have all of these different elements involved. And as an edge walker, as a tide walker, I think it's very important that we have a healthy respect for those things that are unknown and perhaps unknowable. Out on the edge, Nanabuju reminds us what Kurt Vonnegut says, that out on the edge, you can see all kinds of things that you cannot see from the center. And Native peoples who have often been marginalized remember and know this. Looking at a map of Ojibwe territory, it's no wonder Nanabuju might walk the shoreline forever. This large swath of the north-central United States and southern Canada includes the five Great Lakes and the state of Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. Nanabuju exemplifies a worldview deeply rooted in natural law as well as in the complexity of the human condition. As in most Native traditions, the perspective is both practical and symbolic. Melissa Nelson. It's common knowledge in biology and ecology that the edges or the ecotones of ecosystems are places of the highest fertility, highest diversity, and highest stability. So when you have a wetland, for example, you have fresh water coming in from a creek or a river, you have salt water coming in from the ocean, you create brackish water, a mixture of salty water and fresh water, you have plants that are adapted both to the freshwater and the saltwater. You have species, microorganisms that are able to adapt to this mixture of salinity and fresh water, and they are incredibly resilient to have that level of adaptability to a mixing of temperatures, of salinity, of turbidity. And so this is a, a scientific fact at this point that these ecotones are very, very important rich places. So these ecological edges are reflected and mirrored in these cultural edges. And today, as mixed-race people, as people trying to go back to nature and find truly sustainable ways to live, we need to honor these cultural mixing zones rather than marginalize them. And just as in ecology, we're finding that these ecological mixing zones are very valuable and extremely important, possibly for the evolution of our future. Edges, stability and insecurity, rooted and flowing, conscious and unconscious, awake and dreaming, knowing and unknowable. In the introduction to the 2008 anthology book she edited called Original Instructions, Indigenous Teachings for a Sustainable Future, Melissa Nelson observes that indigenous peoples occupy edges that hold critically important wisdom for today's world. These knowledge systems are both ecological and cultural, literal and metaphoric. 
So we all come from cultural mixing zones. I'm a mixture of Native and European heritage, as many people are, and our blood ultimately is is a form of water. Our bodies are 70% water. The earth is 70% water. We all come from genetic lines, bloodlines, that is really, to me, personified in water. So we all come from watersheds. We're raised in watersheds. We live in watersheds, whether we're aware of them or not. Our ancestors come from particular watersheds. And so their beings and their blood are a reflection of those watersheds. And so our ancestors literally travel through water. And whatever waters that become us become our future generations. So for me, water is a literal substance that ties us to our ancestors and ties us to future generations. And it's a metaphoric substance of the substance of the spirits of our ancestors and the spirits of our future generations. So it's an important question for me to continue to ask myself and to ask others, from whose waters do we descend from? Because we literally will know more about who we really are. And just as our DNA is the spiral helix of of flowing together, water too is like the spiral of different bloodlines flowing together that create our identity and that create our bodies. And as we drink the water from our local creek, from our tap, that becomes part of who we are as well and will become our future generations. And so to me, water is one of the most essential substances and all Native people will say that, that water is so core and we need to do so much more to clean up our waters, restore our waters, and to pray for our waters because it reveals great wisdom and knowledge. And Emil Wolfgram, an amazing Tongan elder who lives in Hawaii, a storyteller, knowledge keeper of the canoe traditions, he often asks me as an elder asks a younger person, Are your actions worthy of the conspiracy of your ancestors? A very, very profound question, meaning are our actions living up to all of those bloodlines and all of those dreams and all of those prayers that went into people surviving in a particular ecosystem at a particular time, having visions and dreams for a future community of health and resilience? So it's a very important question to ask to connect us to the past, but also to connect us to the future. A Conspiracy of Ancestors Connecting us to past and future to know who we are. Melissa Nelson believes the process of re-indigenization also means we have to decolonize our minds, hearts, bodies, and spirits and revitalize healthy cultural traditions. According to the Lenny Lenape scholar Jack Forbes, one of my great teachers, When Columbus came to this land, he brought a powerful disease. Yes, smallpox, yes, measles, many of those, but an even greater disease, that of taking power and consuming life to the point of becoming a cannibal. He outlines this in his book, Columbus and Other Cannibals. Using a traditional warning story from his own oral literature, he named this the Wetico Psychosis, after the cannibal monster that thoughtlessly, greedily, and destructively eats up other life forms. 
Those who are infected do not see life in undivided wholeness, but see life as fragments, cannibalizing relatives to try to satisfy an insatiable appetite. We must learn how to re-indigenize ourselves and revitalize a worldview that, as Winona LaDuke says, is not based on conquest. A worldview that understands indigeneity is a paradigm of regeneration. A worldview that has many diverse expressions based on the distinct land bases and cultures and waterscapes that they emerge from, but a worldview rooted in enduring values in what we call our original instructions, common themes of reciprocity, of gratitude, of responsibility, of generosity, of forgiveness, of humility, of courage, of sacrifice, and of course, love. But these values are not just words. We need to live them. We need to dutifully follow them in integrated actions every day as if our life depended on them. Because you know what? They do. <laughs> Individually, we must build our resistance and our immunity to consumer capitalism, to this wetico disease. Practicing our original instructions as Native peoples is key. It's our moral compass that keeps us in line. Eating natural, whole, organic native foods helps keep our bodies strong and healthy. Learning the languages of our ancestors keeps our voices strong so that we can speak out when we see injustice. Getting to know our local habitats and neighborhoods keeps our communities strong. Learning about and supporting the traditional ecological knowledge of local native communities gives us greater understanding of how to be native to place and how to become good place makers. All of this strengthens our integrity as human beings and provides more tools for resilience. So re-indigenization means remembering and living these original instructions, regardless of what culture we come from. We all have earth-based worldviews and practices in our heritage, if we go back far enough, in our DNA. Let's find them, let's remember them, and let's practice them within the complexities of this modern life. As Native American poet and musician John Trudell puts it, DNA stands for Descendants and Ancestors. If we go back far enough, our people were all indigenous to a place. We knew how to be good placemakers. We knew what the essentials were. When we return, Melissa Nelson further explores the original instructions and reminds us that although we may have come over on different ships, we're all in the same boat now. This is Conspiracy of Ancestors, the Indigeneity Essentials. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Learn more at johnmasters.com. Free distribution of this program is made possible in part by support from listeners like you.
To explore more Bioneers radio shows and conference videos for free, visit Bioneers.org. Worldviews Create Worlds Professor Melissa K. Nelson, who also produced the award-winning film The Salt Song Trail and co-produces the Indigenous Forum at the annual Bioneers Conference, suggests that an indigenous worldview reveals a sacred geography where all life is revered and animated by spirit. And there's no separation between the mundane and the spiritual, where all life is related in kinship. Part of revitalizing indigeneity is having daily practices that remind us of the sacredness of life. And again, this is embedded in our original instructions. Simple practices like every morning greeting the sun and thanking the sun for its warmth and its beauty and its light and for giving us food and forests and vision. I lived in the Southwest for a little while and I was so impressed and I I felt so deeply heartened and nourished by the, the traditions of the Pueblos and the Navajo who often run towards the sun in the morning as a practice of waking up your body and acknowledging the the brilliance of the sun and how it feeds the earth. Simple practices like that. And then when we have food, honoring and really thanking, where did this food come from? Whose hands went into making this food, growing this food, transporting this food? How did it get from the earth onto our table? And then it's going to go into our bodies. Is it food that's really going to nourish our bodies? Or is it food that's going to toxify our bodies? And to really ask ourselves that, are we slowing down enough to just give thanks for our food? And again, in our busy lifestyle, that's often hard to do. Um, Sadly, many peoples have been traumatized by various life events that often leads to forms of addiction. That often leads to not paying attention to the most simple basic things like food, water, shelter, the sun. And those are the things we really only need. So revitalizing indigeneity is getting back to basics, getting back to the essentials of what we really need to live. We don't need iPods to live. We don't need televisions to live. We don't need cars to live. We don't need six-figure bank accounts to live. We need clean water, clean food good shelter, good clothing, and most significantly, we need community and family and people to help keep us on our course and to keep us humble and to teach us things and to share resources. The indigenous essentials may seem quaint in today's complex modern world, yet they remind us of the enduring human and ecological truths that are more urgently needed than ever, both practical and metaphoric. Melissa Nelson is especially excited by the renaissance in the nearly lost art of canoe building, particularly among Native youth. From the Great Lakes to the Pacific Ocean, from Lake Tahoe to Lake Titicaca, indigenous peoples are revitalizing the ancient art in collaboration with California Indian artists and leaders supported by Hawaiian and Maori canoe makers and the Cultural Conservancy. Indigenous watercraft is incredibly important historically and was a major form of transportation, had functional value, also had great metaphoric value in terms of traveling the rivers of life on this life vessel, on this life boat. And many of the canoes also are symbols of 
kind of like a, a little cosmology. They're like microcosms of the universe. They're maps. So many canoes are mapped out like the universe or mapped out like someone's sacred territory is a microcosm. The North Coast tribes, the Yurakupa, also map it out like a human body. A canoe has a heart, it has a head, it has kidneys, it has feet, it has arms, and it is personified as a living being. Nelson says that canoe culture has captured the imagination of indigenous peoples worldwide and spurred a massive revitalization of the rich spectrum of knowledge about the art. We're teaching them about interaction with the plants, a strong ethnobotany component, relationship with the tulies for making tule boats, relationship with redwoods for the redwood dugout canoes or the plank canoes for making rafts and all the cordage that's put into that. So there's a very strong component about plants. It's really like an ethnobotany of plants when you study canoes. We also want to study watersheds and water quality, so we're developing curriculum around that. With the help of Hawaiian and Maori elders, native youth are learning to navigate by the stars, read the weather, the winds, and waves. Melissa Nelson says each canoe is unique because it's native to place and culture, lovingly handcrafted with materials from its tribal homeland, Ojibwe birch bark, Pomo Tule, the northern Yurok and Hoopa redwood dugout canoes, and the Hawaiian double-hulled ocean voyaging canoes. The most important thing is that we're all rowing in the same direction, that we're all rowing towards a sustainable, resilient, beautiful, healthy world where people are honored, where people are respected, where the beautiful living earth is taken care of and nurtured and given back to so that we're not taxing and overexploiting Mother Earth and, and all our relatives. We're in the same global boat, but we're all in our different individual boats, and we're moving in the same direction. And this is really tied to a, a beautiful ancient teaching of the Haudenosaunee, the great Six Nations Iroquois, when they first made their treaties with the British back in the 1600s. They said, we will be in our canoe and you will be in your canoe, meaning the, the native Haudenosaunee and the British, and we will be rowing in the same direction. But the Haudenosaunee will not try to get in the British canoe, and the British will not try to get in the Haudenosaunee canoe. So they will not try to be who they are not, but they will be in cooperation, in peace and friendship, and moving in the same direction. Because ultimately, as human beings, we all need the same things to survive. And that is the direction we want to move in, in a more sustainable way. Melissa Nelson sees the world coming together as perhaps never before, with renewed respect for the value of indigenous knowledge and wisdom. There is a wave of change happening in the world today. There's never before been more mainstream receptivity to understanding the beauty and the wisdom of indigenous peoples, particularly our traditional ecological knowledge and our native sciences. 
Finally, you have major universities, science organizations, the National Science Foundation, for example, the um, American Meteorological Society, the Society for Ecological Restoration. Many of these major scientific communities and groups are recognizing that Native peoples do have a science. They do have ecological knowledge that is very important and will fill in the gap of Western scientific understanding. As Western science and indigenous science converge, the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts, and there's no time to lose. The future is very uncertain, but what we do know is that we are walking a very thin line right now with very limited choices. We either continue our current destructive course or we link together and strengthen our science with traditional ecological knowledge and our original instructions. Whatever the outcome, it is our duty and our privilege to work together to honor the mystery that life is presenting to us now with as much reverence, reciprocity, creativity, and compassion as possible. The red earth is singing. Our learning spirits are calling us to new knowledge. It's calling us right now, all of us, to understand a new way of living together. And it is the moment for building our capacity to work together as relatives in order that this world we love can gently give way to one even more beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to me. Chi miigwech, chi miigwech. Melissa Nelson. Conspiracy of Ancestors, the Indigeneity Essentials. You can listen to a variety of Bioneers radio shows and view conference videos online at Bioneers.org, where you can also learn about attending the National Bioneers Conference or a local Bioneers Conference near you. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Nicole Spangenberg. Interview recording engineer, Colin Farish. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rykodisc label. Additional music was made available by Bison Head Records at bisonhead.com. For more music information, please visit bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0712. This series is made possible by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.coop. And by Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues.
For more information, visit www.bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER.